We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, we have our producer and co-founder, Mr. Brian Goins. Hello. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy belated Thanksgiving from us at Heat Beat. We are thankful for you, the listener, and your five-star review on iTunes. Make sure to leave one on Podbean, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us. Also with us today is our professional screw-up, Alex Toledo. What's up? What's going on? Chilling, chilling here. Ready to podcast and... Finally, our statistician and pun master, NBA analyst extraordinaire, Nikias Duncan. Hello, sir. <laughs> I'm in a good mood today. I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to talk some Miami yeah. Heat basketball. Yeah, we're we're not just a podcast anymore. We're a multimedia entity. Yes. Part of the Five Reason Sports Network. Check us out there and all our family of podcasts from three yards per carry to you know we're gonna show some love to the to the third tiers. From tier three on our five reasons sports network, light skinned opinions, smart your territory. Uh, dripping with condescension. <laughs> dripping with condescension. Those are my boys. Check Christ. out Smart Your Territory if you like wrestling with Mr. Bill and Josh Chappelle, the great Josh Chappelle who called the war on I four. Also check out our podcast, The War on I four, as my and Brian's UCF Knights march on to another national championship. So check out all their family of podcasts. Uh, Fish Tank, I think, is doing a live taping uh in, in Broward County. They're gonna have Mark Clayton on, so it's gonna be Mark Clayton. Um and OJ McDuffie. And OJ McDuffie. So check, check, check that out. Check that out on the Twitter page and everything and the flagship with Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham. So boys, my name last thing. One, one more, more thing. thing. Dash Radio. Dash Radio. Welcome our see this is why Brian's producing, man. Brian's a good producer. Welcome to our Dash Radio audience. This is our second or third third show? 
Second Third show? show. Third show on Dash Radio. On our return to Dash Radio, if you're OG, you know that we, Miami Heat Beat, have been on Dash Radio before. And uh, we're back. So, welcome. Okay, guys. So, last night, the Miami Heat played the team that I believe will be in the finals and that I've been on record saying that this season ends with Kyle Lowry holding the finals MVP trophy over his head. Um, Miami gets clobbered. And honestly, guys, Nikias may be able to help me with this. I didn't think that's that bad a loss because I thought that if Miami played that way on the road against most other teams, that's probably a win. I mean, you get 35 from Dwayne. You get good performances from, from Bam and Justice and Jay Rich shot the ball well. So I know that not everything was clicking 100%, but I think most nights that's a win. You just played the best, what I think is the best team in the league, or at least for sure the best team in the East on the road in a place that they don't lose a lot. So... I don't know, Nikaias. Like, I'm not. I'm not one to put a lot of stock into that loss. I was kind of like a loss from the start. Oh no, it's not a bad loss at all. Again, um, Toronto had arguably the three best players on the court. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh are we going? Wow. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne was good. La- I mean, last night, Dwayne was oh, good. Yeah, I, mean, going, Dwayne, yeah, I, general, I mean, like in a general sense, Toronto probably had the three best players on the court. Hold on, are you putting are you putting Pascal Siakam over Jay Rich right now? Ooh, you know <laughs> I think what? You're putting Ibaka. No, let's not. You're putting Ibaka over Jay Rich. I'm not taking Ibaka's a monster this year. Well, three yeah, of the no, top no, four. Then we'll go there. I'm high on Pascal, but yeah, we'll go three of the top four then. But in general, yeah, as Johnny said, Toronto is the best team in the East right now. Um, I'm still not as concerned about Boston as others are, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Toronto in the finals either. They're really good. They're really deep. They're well coached. Um, Nick Nurse definitely knows what he's doing out there, changing lineups and things of that nature. But yeah, you you yeah. take Miami's effort in that game ten out of ten times, and the game was a lot closer than the final score indicated. Anyway, that fourth quarter push led by the kids was very inspiring. And honestly, last year the Miami Heat probably won a game in Toronto that they shouldn't have. Uh, I think that was Toronto's only home loss of the year. Was it the Wayne Ellington game? It was the Wayne Ellington game winner. So, you know, kind of life's funny that, you know, maybe Miami played well. Miami played very well this game and, and they didn't get the win. And last year they probably won a game that they probably had no business winning. So it's kind of it evens out that way. You know, kind of looking at the Raptors, it kind of shows how far away the Heat are as to actual contending. Right, because you get a really good effort last night, and then you're still like double digits away the entire time, and it's just kind of like they're not close. Like even if they figure things out and they kind of like string some wins together, we we know that they're not. You know, at best they're a tough first round out. It really put a lot into perspective. Like they they beat the Bulls, who are bad, and they almost blow that, and then they come they they, they play well against Toronto. They play up to their competition, and then I don't know. It's just. I think it was a little sobering for for some of us that were holding on to the idea that this team may be able to be a little better than what they've been to start, but they're kind of like, no, there's a huge gap. Isn't it so freeing? When the direction is being picked out for you? I mean, no. I'm not worried, man. I'm just like, well, it's here we are. Now you got to, like, you know, pick your own path. What are you going to do? Are you going to. You know, are you going to play the young guys and see what happens from there? Are you going to try to do your thing and try to trade for another disgruntled all-star? Like, I feel like that's it. It's decision time within the next few weeks. I guess we know what they are. The frustrating part when you look at Toronto is, so they have, they kind of done a lot of Miami Heat-esque things, right? So they have a reclamation project in Serge Ibaka that has gone swimmingly. Uh, He's legit putting up like a career best. 
No, and honestly, Nick Nurse, credit to him, changed the starting lineup. Valentunas, the longtime starter, new, and I think that that was the move that had to be made. That who could have co- come made. up with that? I mean, just only all of NBA Twitter. But you know, first year head coach did, did the thing. Ibaka is flourishing. Uh, Kyle Lowry always playing well, and they kind of did the thing. They're finding guys like Fred Van Vliet. They have uh, Siakam. Like they're getting guys at value that Miami was kind of getting good at like finding Magruder, finding Hassan, finding Jay Ritz, like these diamond in the roughs. Toronto did that while having good players already. They just like, haven't had their own summer of 2017 yet. They have, I mean, but they have Kawhi. Now. I mean, they have a, arguably a top five player or a top six player, whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Like they have a arguably the best or second best player in the conference. If you want to have the discussion with Giannis and they've done all this while being good. And I guess Brian, I know Brian is super tank season. Brian's already like, Doing tank lottery that was the tankathon website, tankathon.com. Brian's all in on that. And you look at the Raptors and you're like, well, the Raptors didn't tank to get this way. The Raptors remained competitive for many years, being you know, first like a laughing stock by losing in the playoffs early every year, but they were always like a competitive team and now they're a legit contender. I mean, they technically tanked to get DeRozan, no? I mean, how, how many years ago was that? It was, was seven years ago, eight years ago? Still tanking. I know, but like what I'm saying is that they've they've been able to remain competitive and add pieces to that. Like you don't always have to, you know what I mean? Like well, they've done really well in the draft. I mean, obviously the entire um, their entire bench is basically from the draft. If you look at Norman Powell, you also look at Delon Wright. Those are two players that they selected in this. I think one in the second round, the other one in the late first. Yaka so Pirtle was a part of the trade that yeah, ended up was, they were able to get Danny Green back in that trade along with uh with Kawhi. Masai's the best GM in the league, right? It's not close. Yeah, no, he's he's been amazing this year. But Masai's uh, always been amazing. But this year in particular, I think he probably made the best trade in the offseason, just trying to get Kawhi, but on top of just getting Kawhi he also. Got laughed at me. Green. I didn't laugh at you. I thought that was a great trade for them. Even though DeRozan's a great player, you're getting the better player in that trade. Kawhi is a monster, man. Even he's if so- he leaves this year, which I don't think he's going to leave. I, that's what I was him. saying. Like, you take a chance on guys like, like you know, if you're Toronto, like, you you go all in and you, you know, if he leaves, whatever. But, you you know, you get a hard reset because now they're going to have nothing on their cap because they got rid of a lot of their salary. So they're going to have pretty much a hard reset yep. with, with cap space and they're going to have, they're either going to be bad and have picks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they did a great job. Saying Kawhi's yeah, a monster. If we're, look, if we're looking at the four, like four, we're a fourth of the way through the season right now. Miami's number six uh, as far as the worst teams in the league. We have a new lottery system. Um, right now, if the season ended today, they would have an 8.3% chance of getting the number one overall pick or 34.8% chance of getting a top four pick. So in the past, they used to select just three teams through the lottery. Uh, there's ping pong balls. This time they select the top four. And I've played with the simulator guys. Miami has won a top three pick at least five of the last six times I've simulated. <laughs> okay, guys, well, you heard it here on Miami Heat Feed first. Zion, Yo, we're going to get the number one pick, and getting Zion would be the NBA returning the favor for what happened to the Heat in the 2008 draft when they ended up with the number two pick. And Chicago, who had like a 9% chance at the number one pick, ended up with Derrick Rose. We got Michael Beasley. Finally. <laughs> well, like, obviously, we are far, we're well off from the draft right now. We don't know what Miami season is going to look like. But I am kind of terrified of Miami landing like a top two pick and getting Zion. 
because I just don't know how they're going to use them. You don't trust Bostro? Uh, I he's going to be getting more minutes. But what's his position? Though? Is he a power forward like uh, Draymond Green build? I know a lot of people compare him to him. Like, I, he's going to have to be a four. But I just I don't know how Spode. What's Miami's most out. need? It's a small forward, right? You said what? Yes. What's Miami's biggest need right now? Um, I mean, they probably need a point guard of the future at some point. You think? <laughs> I would think. I mean, this draft is really stacked with small forwards. So I was looking at all the people on there. Even if they didn't get a top three pick, you could, you still have players like Cam Reddish or um. So they do uh, Keldon Johnson. Yes, he's good too. I think Nasser Little, and he's from Miami. Uh, for that would be fun. Miami's done. I mean, Miami's done really good in the draft post LeBron. I know that um, Jack Alfonso on our show has, has said a couple times that like even the Napier pick, considering where they got him, wasn't bad value considering he's still playing in the league and he's a rotation player. So Miami's been pretty good um, with, with their draft picks. In particular, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit last night against Toronto about Justice and Bam. So Kawhi Leonard was 0 for 8 when Justice or Bam guarded him with zero assists and four points. Which is awesome, and you could see like when when the switch would come, um, Bam would pick Bam would pick up Kawhi, or Justice would would do the same. And Justice has improved steadily, Nikai. So I know that you could probably talk more to this as the season has gone on, and he's got more into game shape, and as he's been healthy, like the defense has picked up so much. And I think Bam too. Bam's really improved on that end as well. They just like they're not getting as many minutes as they should together. Um, but I really like what I see from them. Yeah, I think. What we saw last night was Justice actually getting to be a wing defensively. And yes. it's just amazing how good he looks when he gets to hound guys on the perimeter instead of having to protect the rim because a guard got beaten pick and roll. And Justice is not a center or a power forward. So, I mean, he did a fantastic job on Kawhi. Um, Josh Richardson got most of the Kyle Lowry assignment, but you did see a little bit of Justice on Kyle Lowry as well. It was just a fun game for Justice on defense because you you kind of reminded you just how special he can be when he's locked in on that end. And as for Bam, Bam kind of just changed the dynamic of Miami's defense. I mean, they normally play a kind of a conservative scheme. With Bam in the game, he's able to cover more ground. He's able to play things higher. Um, You can definitely switch more actions with Bam at the five because he can hang on the perimeter as well. And there's really no excuse for Bam not to be getting at least 20, 25 minutes a night moving forward. And the rebounding was there last night, which has been kind of the main concern with him is, is, is he going to be able to rebound at a rate that can keep them above water? And last night that the answer was indeed yes. Absolutely. I mean, he has a nose for the ball. It's just a matter of who he's matched up against. Again, I don't really, I don't want to say I don't trust him, but when he's going against the Steven Adams, the Andre Drummonds, those huge bulky guys, as athletic as Bam is, he's just too small for them. He's, he has a tremendous wingspan. He obviously jumps very high. He's strong for his size, but at the end of the day, he's 6'9". And you just can't hang with 6'11", 285 like Andre Drummond. But, yeah, as Bam grows, um, gets stronger, I think he's going to be fine in that regard as well. It's just a matter of him getting reps and getting bigger. Miami's – and, Nikai, it's funny that you say all this stuff about Bam. Do you remember what happened on draft night? <laughs> Oh man, yes. Woj is reporting the Heater selecting OG Anunobi. No, no, Bam on the bio. I like. Oh my! They took Bam. Yo, what are we doing? Oh, twice? Who is this? Twice in one show? Ba- are you kidding? Hmm. What are he doing? Who is that? 
He okay. just said that, that that they're gonna draft OG. Oh no, I, no, we won't. Oh no, we don't. They're drafting Bam Adebayo. What is what? What, what I read it. You gotta be freaking oh, kidding me. Oh. Live from the NBA draft was Alex and Nikias and me in the middle of that, not knowing who the hell Bam Adebayo was. Yo, I can't wait till we do that again this year. I can't wait till we do that again this year. We're like we're overreacting heavily to whoever the hell that he draft. Bull, bull. Oh my god. Oh, okay, I really be so mad when it's Zion. I have a question. <laughs> Who regrets that more, Nikias or Alex? Uh, I don't regret it. I mean, because feel- OG OG came out good. Oh yeah, I, I, I love stumbling all over that clip. I don't like hearing it. <laughs> I don't either. I was very upset. I read the name wrong. I was the worst person on <laughs> so that. So did I. I mean, it was general incompetence top to bottom. It was Nikaias upset that they drafted a player that we now know to be good. It was Alex just tripping all over his words. It was Brian reading wrong. And it was me not knowing. Literally, my job is to know who these people are. My 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 contribution was, who is this person? My my whole thing <laughs> at the time was, if you're at 14, draft the, draft the high upside guy. Like take a shot on Harry Giles or take the shot on OG. Don't that was my guy. Like, don't draft for need, basically. And Miami needed a backup center, but also we were fresh off of like the Willie Reed thing. It's like very easy to find backup centers. So I was like, okay, if you're Bam is a fit, but also there are higher upside players, at least I thought so anyway. There are mm-hmm. higher upside guys available on the wing. Like take the shot there. Don't go for a backup center. Now, of course, I didn't know that, you know. Bam could basically Steph Curry on switches. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I felt okay, rim runner, rim protector, energy guy on the glass. He's gonna be fine. Hassan Light. Like, Hassan Light. Yeah. Uh, well, not even that. I'm just like he's gonna be a serviceable backup center. The switchability has obviously changed things. The fact that he can handle changes things. So like I, I fully admit I missed on that. I just did not see enough of him to even know he had that kind of upside. And there's still more for him to reach. I mean, the guys that went after him, I mean, you got Kuzma, you have OG, you know, you have um, uh, Collins. Like, not bad, but, I mean, Miami did fine. Oh, yeah, in hindsight, like, Miami did a fantastic job. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was obviously the one that everyone wanted, and then Utah came in and and took him. But for another day. But I do do want to stay on the BAM topic. So our own Christian Hernandez statistician at the Maple Rick on Twitter Posted a stat today that I thought was really interesting. And it was that Kelly Olenek and Bam, in 123 minutes, are plus 15 net rating with an offensive rating of 106 and a D rating of 91. Which is incredible. Like, by far, that has to be, like, one of their best tandems. And the part that stood out most to me is that that lineup, that, that those two have only played three minutes with Josh and Justice. Which I feel is kind of unacceptable. It makes next to no sense because if you're going to play those you're going to play justice josh and bam together you need to supplement them with spacers which is why you've seen a lot of wayne ellington with those three but i'm not sure why you wouldn't just go full spacing with ellington and olenic you've seen i mean we already saw bam and kelly play together last year they have reps um you know what wayne ellington does off ball Offensively, it just seems to make sense that you would try to give those guys as much burn as possible, especially if it looks like it's going to be one of those down years where Miami's going to be towards the bottom of the standings. You want to kind of develop the young guys. That looks like a lineup that makes sense. Could it be that Spo is scared about how they run to play defensively because Ellington and Kelly can't really switch as well as as um 
as Bam and Javers, so they have to play that really conservative kind of drop defense. So they don't they don't want to have those two guys together with with Bam. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but Miami has also played um, other guards with defensive issues, and they have longer leashes. So I'm not sure how much um, I'm not sure how much that actually does play into it. Coaches are weird, Nikias, because like you have like the Hampton Five or whatever is a lineup that Kerr like very rarely went to, and that we all knew is the death lineup. And Spolstra is apparently sitting on something that we believe is probably going to be really good and probably won't really get to it. I mean, that's part of the roster. That's part of still trying to compete. Uh, that's that's as much as I can say without going for a hot take. But no, I, and it's oh, what's the full hot take? Oh, no, uh, now I'm here. Now, now you gotta I, say. Just, uh, no, you it's short. I mean, you've, I've you've just been frustrated that. with with Spo this year. I have. And I understand that his job has been tough because he has like twelve playable guys. The guys <laughs> wants to fire Spo. You heard it here first. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what I am not saying. I do not want to fire Spo at all. But like Brian, edit out the not. That is exactly what I am saying. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Oh, Brian. <laughs> but no, I, I just didn't don't understand some stuff. Like before JJ got back, Derek Jones Jr. starting at the four. Like you, <laughs> dude. Hold on, wait a second. Can we talk about like were they starting Rodney Magruder on Kawhi Leonard? Like who that whose idea like, was that? I understand you want Rodney Magruder to kind of hound guys on ball, but like there are certain types of wings you can put it on. Like Demar Derozan, he's bigger than Rodney Magruder, but he's more of a finesse guy. He's gonna go to the mid range. He's gonna shoot fadeaways on the, from the mid post or whatever. That I mean, that's fine. You can kind of contest and just pray. Kawhi Leonard is going to put his shoulder in your chest. Like, Ryan McGruder just does not have the size yes. as hard as he tries. Like, he he just can't. He can't guard power wings. You don't put Ryan McGruder on Kawhi. You don't put him on LeBron. Like, Especially because, like, the only <laughs> no, thing that was Kawhi such, is that he, the guys, his hands are so was, big. He has such a great handle on the ball. So, like, not only are you not going to be able to defend him because he's putting his shoulder in your chest, you also can't, you can't get that ball him. out of his hands. It's not going to come out of his hands. It won't. It simply won't. <laughs> And do do we have Rodney's wingspan out yet? Like, has anyone figured out what his actual wingspan is? It's got to be what six, seven, whatever half of Kawhi Leonard is. <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi, if Kawhi Leonard in parentheses, you know, divided by two. <laughs> like, it, that's so um, unfair to Rodney. Too. That's the Heat roster. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm just confused watching the starting lineup. Like, okay, Josh Richardson on Kyle Lowry. You want to put length on Kyle because he has to pull up going. He can get to the rims, things like that. But like. Don't put Josh on Kyle Lowry because you want size on the point guard and then have six four Rodney Magruder on Kawhi Leonard getting bullied from 12 feet and in. Like that's- Let me tell you something. So it's weird, been man. a rough week for Rodney because he got LeBron the Sunday prior. And then he got Kawhi. He must be like, what did I do to coach? Like career high in minute. Like, you know what? That's probably why he shot so poorly last week. Like he look at who he's like an started. intern. I would do it in protest. I would straight do it in protest. It'd be like, supposed to make me look like an idiot guarding LeBron and Kawhi. Like, what the hell? You know I what? quit. Theory. I think Magruder Maybe is the answer. Rodney has played so well, Miami is trying to tank his value because he's hitting restricted free agency this summer. <laughs> Yo, Whoa. light years ahead. Oh, my God. I think there's a way easier light. way to do that, to be honest. <laughs> do you remember when Chalmers did that? Chalmers guys who deserve to play before him. Uh, guys, guys, I found their wingspans. You want to take a guess? Okay. Ooh. And this is coming from NBA.com, so this is a legit source. Six feet. It's greater than six feet. I'll, you want me to give you Kawhi's first, and then I'll, and then you try to give guess. me Kawhi. Give me Kawhi's. Kawhi's wingspan is seven foot three. Jeez. Okay, let me let me let me. Uh, okay, so seven divided by two. Okay, 
What's Rodney's? Six foot five point five. Nice. So you guys, are, he's down a foot. Like, so it's Kawhi minus a foot. We talk about Tyler Johnson's lack of wingspan. Rodney's wingspan is worse than I envisioned, which is kind of hard. Cause Miami did it backwards. They did the anti Milwaukee. Again, I just don't know what you expect Rodney to do. It's not like he, you know, he wasn't it's out of position. Like he obviously tried. Like there's just nothing he could do with like power wings. It's just. Nikias, what can you expect Rodney Magruder to do against LeBron? Like, right. Our father who art in like, heaven. That's it. Like, this, and it's it's like such a crappy position for him. And then you have Justice guarding fours. And it's like, well, but why? Nikias is like, he's like, yeah. Like I said, uh, Which is kind of why I think that all this is fixable. Because I just feel it? like they just need to, huh? Is it? There's they so many vials like, that are just leaking all over the place. They're about to they burst. They just need to do what they did before. Just like have justice. They're going to be like, Miami's going to be like heavy in the buyout market. Like uh, like if the season Bye. hovers around 500, because you know them, Make man. a damn trade. I don't want another guy who needs to play. Like, what are you <laughs> they're doing? Gonna, they're going to get a, They're going to get another wing in the buyout market. And it's going to fix everything. All right, so we're taking a bit of a break from my takes to introduce you to our newest partner, and that's AutoNation. And they make it easy to customize your newer used ride. They have a huge selection of AutoNation auto gear accessories. And AutoNation is your one-stop shop to get your vehicle auto-equipped with all the top brands. And you can schedule your auto gear session today at an AutoNation store near you. Design specialists will take you through an entire customization process step-by-step. And they're going to help you create the vehicle of your dreams. From new wheels to a customized entertainment system, they've got you covered. And qualified buyers right now can take advantage of 0% financing for 60 months. You can schedule your session today. Just visit AutoNation.com to find your nearest location. Tyler Johnson has a 6'6 six six wingspan. So he has a greater wingspan. He's about 2 inches short. No, he doesn't. That's not bad. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yes, he's like, no. That's like that's like those people that say Kemba Walker's like six one. Did you see him hugging Ky- uh, Kyrie Irving the other day? Bleacher Report must be true. Yo, the NBA is running a scam with these heights and wingspans. Yeah, absolutely not. It, 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 all they do is lie. How the hell does Donovan Mitchell have a six foot eleven wingspan? That's not what? true. Oh, that's yeah, not true. Get out of here. At the combine, yeah, yeah. Did he? That that doesn't feel. He he's small. He feels small, but he's really explosive. Exactly. It's kind of why he got. Well, that's part of why he got like the weight comps. Like he's the anti Jason Tatum. Have you seen people turning on him already? I think it's pretty Donovan funny. Donovan Mitchell? No, I've actually seen people turn on Jason Tatum, which I think is even funnier. I've seen the Donovan Mitchell stuff, but I kind of think that that's more of a product of Utah imploding. Yeah. Rather than Mitchell. I mean, both, stuff both of them Tatum can't score. Funny. Both of those teams can't score. <laughs> but we can't say anything. I have, no, I have no idea what the hell happened in Utah. Um, I mean, they finished the year last year like 29 and 6. And Ricky Rubio shot ridiculous from three. Um I think the Ricky Gobert favors three-man trio is like a plus 15 or something at the end of the year. And that on top of Donovan Mitchell being better than anyone expected, I mean, they kind of overachieved a bit. So it's not a surprise to see Rubio come back down to earth. Um, Gobert's had- so what you're saying is they had a 30-11? and 11? Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's part of it, yeah, at least offensively. I'm kind of surprised but- that the defense has slipped a little bit. I kind of expect that. Dude. A lot. The defense has been, like, not good. Yeah, I mean, I can see that coming back around, but the off, they still have offensive personnel issues. Like their second best offensive player is Joe Ingles, and you don't want He's Joe. A monster. I love Joe Ingles, 
And he's legit one of my favorite wings in the league. But you don't want to be he's a awesome. serious playoff contender when he's your second best offensive player. It's kind of like Wayne Ellington. Well, it's not like Wayne Ellington because Joe Wings can dribble. But I guess. No, but what I'm saying is that like Wayne Ellington is arguably their second best offensive player. I wouldn't even. Uh, maybe Kelly. Yeah, third. It's going to keep sliding down the list. I'd be the best. No, he's the third. He's Kelly Olenek is old Dwayne Wade. Hmm. See, here we go. <laughs> is, is, is Wade Ellington a better offensive player than Dwayne? No, but Dwayne Wade's shooting lights out this year. Have you guys yes, seen this? We, we have all what? four attempts. Second best on the team. So at what point at what point do you expect us to fall down to earth and at what point do we just accept it as fact? When Dion Waiters comes back. Because <laughs> he's at thirty nine percent at four attempts a game and uh through eleven games or twelve games. Small sample size theater. I mean, but- and what's okay. kinda if you want to look at a glass half full, like a lot of these are pull ups. Well, actually, I guess that'd be the yeah. glass half empty look because there are a lot of pull ups and those are typically the hardest threes to make and no, but he, you know what? He, he, I feel like he's, and I don't have numbers to back this up, but I feel like he's always been a guy who shot better at pull ups and catch and shoots. But he's actually like, he's taking catch and shoots from the corner. And I honestly expect it to go in at this Like point. his form has always looked good. And he obviously has touch. I'm just not sure why that part of his game never developed. I mean, part of it is him wanting to be on ball all the time. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's been surprising to say the least that he's actually knocking these things down. Like he looked, Unconscious against Toronto. It was awesome. It was it was shades of uh well not shades but like it reminded me of that uh, that game five uh, game four against Boston in Miami yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, in I saw people on That's Twitter saying that he's still the best shooting guard in the league when he wants to be. Who said that? How's I love them? <laughs> you know, is it he Twitter or Twitter. is it like other? Yeah, you know, I love he fans on Twitter. I'm like, I agree. I could talk myself into that. See, like this is the kind of tape. Why did you put like, it like that? See, this would be something I would quote to you on Twitter, and then I'd be called a hater. <laughs> you would. I think I told you yesterday you're not allowed to yes. enjoy this. I'm proud to remember. <laughs> that was awesome. Like I knew. Like I think we all knew they were gonna lose. But I was like, oh, but but what? But Dwayne. But Dwayne's awesome. And then Dwayne started airballing the threes, and I was like, yeah, oh, he no. started the not so secret society. <laughs> Air, 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 airball three of them or two yeah, of them. Dwayne started pressing for forty, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's probably it." Now he oh he was fishing hard, <laughs> dude. Dog, D Wade is fishing hard for that forty. Like, guys, what that do you think is gonna happen in the last game of the regular season with Dwayne? I don't think Dwayne's the guy to like. Like, if he's feeling it, I think that he'll he'll fish for it. If he doesn't. I'll never but forgive Dwayne, him. If he doesn't, <laughs> if he does not. I'll never forgive him. He's not. He's not that guy though. Like I don't feel like he's the guy that's gonna try to go out there and make a show of it. I could be wrong. Well, then Kobe better. If he, if it, like, if he's he's gonna come out, and I think that he, you know, they're gonna, he probably starts that game. Oh right? yeah, definitely. They'll let him start, or maybe not. I don't They'll know. They'll be mathematically eliminated he, by then. Whenever, <laughs> yeah, when they're mathematically eliminated, get his ass in the starting lineup like ASAP, Spo. And if he's if he's feeling it that night, I think he'll try. But if not, I think he'll just he'll quietly take a twelve two and two. Yeah, I think he'd probably be more concerned with like hitting a game winner if the game was close more than like aiming for fifty. Like oh, dude, that'd be badass. Oh man, it would be badass if the miss. last shot. If the la- <laughs> is Philly the last game of the season because it should be. Oh my god, I hope it is. Somebody oh check, god, Brian. Please. Check. You'd be a producer. See, that, that would be beautiful for him to like hit a game. I'm too busy watching Dion Waiters play Fortnite. Is, what is he streaming? He's streaming on Twitch right now. At least he's playing something. Is he playing Bam? Uh, he's playing with three other people. I don't know who they are, though. Uh, 
the guy said, let me say something. There's nobody on Twitter that has like the most low key gems, like as jokes as Nikaias. I really be out here just slipping them in. Uh, you just gotta weed through all the puns to really get to my pointed liners. You'll 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 get the gold. <laughs> how how are we feeling about uh? So our very own Alf nine five four is very big on hashtag the kids, which it's his movement of just playing Josh Bam and Jay Rich together. Josh is like I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> <laughs> Alf, he he could he's never sounded older. It's honestly a horrible hashtag. No, I was talking about Josh. Because Josh is what, what is he? Twenty five now? Josh is twenty seven, I think. No, no way. he's twenty five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rod, Rodney's twenty seven. I got them confused. I think you're thinking about future Heat legend Rod, John Wall. Rodney Magruder's twenty seven. The um, I, I'm like I'm at the point now that even though Hassan has played well this season. I'm at the point that I don't I don't really think he should be playing more than Bam and they should really make an effort to play the three of them together. You think they should do the thing they did to um remember how they had Amari Stoudemire starting and then they had Bam Hassan coming off the bench? I think they should go yeah, back to that kind of role. Oh my god. Oh my god. Hassan that would set Hassan off. Don't play was, with the trade value. He was so good though, remember? That was before you know we gave funny? him the match. Was that before he got paid? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. yeah. We can't do it. That's not That's happening. not falling for it. <laughs> on this I'm team? Wise to you. I'm wise to you, Spo. On this team? Do you think they have meetings to try to trick him? You don't, how, how can we get Hassan? How can we get Hassan to do? No, but he's been good this year. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, brag yeah, on him too right. much. Like, I mean, he is who he is. Like, he's not, you know, he's... He's whatever. He, he is who he is. He's been a what top five, top six defender in his position this year. That's conservative. That's, fine. that's, that's he, what you want. Out he's of been him. really good defensively. I mean, you know, he has his obvious limitations in space, but that's not anything new. He has been tremendous yeah, run protector. He's cleaned the know. glass. Um, he has not finished well over the last week and a half, which is weird. But like overall, he's been fine. But see, like the finishing stuff is not necessarily something that like it's not. Oh, try harder to finish. It's just like the ball's not yeah. rolling in. Like he he'll be he'll be fine like, soon. Like it's it's just a rough slump. Like I was checking out his um numbers today, kind of preparing for the launching pad or whatever that came out earlier. And check that out, Nikaias's launching pad every Monday. Probably the best breakdown. No, not not probably the best breakdown of the Heat weekly. It is no contest. Nobody is covering the Heat like Nikaias. I guarantee you that. No disrespect to anybody at the newspapers that do more feature stories, but nobody knows the ins and outs of this team like Nikias does. So check that out every Monday on HeatBeatMiami.com. Well, thank you for the plug. But um, I was looking at his numbers. Like his um, his shooting splits between like three feet. I think he's at like 68%, which is kind of right in line. He's been around a 70% finisher in that range. Where he's really been tainting is that three to 10 foot range where he's throwing in those little push shots and stuff. I yeah, hate he, those. He's in the, I think, low 30s. Which is well below his career, um, his career norm. But that's kind of where it's at. Though, what about what about the tendencies there? Is he shooting more or less of those? Uh, of the push shots, he's shooting more of those. So it seems to me like he's giving in to what the defense wants. Yeah, he he gets stuck, and then he throw, he throws. That's that my up problem with him, man. It's like he's about to turn. He's about to be damn near thirty, and and he hasn't fixed any of the things that have been plaguing him. On offense, he's still, in that, still there, and I, in that all case, I see him is taking up space in the paint and fumbling around the ball. Everybody knows the scouting report on him, and he never adjusts. It's like he just keeps making the same mistakes to me. I don't know, man. I don't. 
I, I feel like he takes up a lot of space on offense. And is I have enough. I have a defense I have a defense for him, which is with the new shot clock rules. I do think that there's a little extra rush to get off shots mm-hmm. in time. So at the at the end of clock, so I do think that that kind of plays into shot selection, particularly for him, because he's the one down there getting the rebound. So think about it. if if you get if you're fighting for a rebound, you probably like tick off two seconds. Now you're at twelve. You're trying to look for an open guy because, you know, everyone's kind of mid-transition, so everyone's coming back. That's another couple seconds. All of a sudden, you're at 10, 9. You know, he's like, oh, I should put something up. or you know. So I kind of understand from his perspective, like, oh, I'm at the rim. Are we going to be able to get a better shot in 9, 10 seconds? Probably not. Let me throw this up. Yeah, so, you're- so while not a great shot, I can understand how his thinking goes. Not very that. different from his thinking at any other point in the clock. I don't think he's been that bad, man. Like, he's obviously not, you know... I don't know. He's not prime Dwight, which we'll get into him I just later, think the but... offense, their offense being so bad makes him look even worse. I, their offense is pretty bad, man. I think that's their ultimate issue. That That's the obvious signifier to them be, not being a good team. Yeah. I don't believe in their offense. The defense, has, the defense has been so up and down as well. I mean, but it's still ranked ninth. They're, they're doing what they can. That's that's fine. They don't even got to say Are they still ranked ninth? Yeah, I just looked at it right now. Good for them. Yeah, man. That's uh, Nikaias. Does that surprise you? Uh, not really. They've defended, I guess, relatively well over the last couple of weeks. It's been trending, um, I guess, down. Right last night, no. Cause, I mean, they started off. They started off pretty rough. Yeah, they were. They were fifteenth a week yeah. ago. Damn. Let me tell you something. Ninth in defensive rating is a one hundred and seven. Like, oosh, this right. Thing. And that probably would have been like mid twenties last year, which kind of speaks to where the league is at right now. And they're right behind the Dallas Mavericks. I think we all knew what happened. Hey, oh, Dallas? Regular defensive perennial team, Dallas Mavericks. 107 would get you uh, in between Indiana and Los Angeles and New Orleans. They were all tied at 107.2. Sheesh. At 12, 13, 14 in the league last year. So that's sort of 107. Okay. Um, Cleveland made the finals with a 111 defensive rating. 29th and LeBron James. I still can't believe LeBron dragged that team (laughs) to the finals. Honestly, oh, but I'm glad that we're bringing that up because to me, that's the biggest indictment of the Celtics. How last year they struggled to score in the playoffs against that horrid defense. And I never felt that any of Boston's playoff wins were that impressive because they, Milwaukee was not the team that they were last year, this year. Like they were not like that good a team. They were a very average team last year that Boston wheezed past. They beat a Philly team that was very young and very inexperienced and very flawed. The guys should take three victory laps. And then they played a Cleveland team that was the 29th ranked defense in the league. Um, and Kevin Love played horribly that series. And they still won. And they, they, they still lost. Um, so for me... Their struggles this year offensively are not surprising. Brad Stevens has had a top 10 offense once, and I believe that was the second year, and they were only eighth. Every other time, they're like 15, 16, like consistently across the board. And I don't know. It just kind of bugs me that how how long are we going to watch what the Celtics are doing and we're going to pretend that it's not at the top? Like systematically, they run a pretty – Pretty simple offense, and it's a lot of not getting to the rim, a lot of not getting free throws. When they have guys like Jalen Brown, like Tatum, that Kyrie, that can't get to the rim. And I know that Kyrie's more of a finesse guy that avoids contact, but they have too many guys 
that are versatile enough to get into the defense, they're not getting free throws or nothing at the rim. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know at what point are we going to start to criticize the coaching in Boston, but I feel like this needs to happen. We can start now. I'm, dude, I've been, I've been waiting forever. Here to slander Brad Stevens. Oh, Bad Stevens. Bad Stevens. Nikaias, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I mean, that's mostly fair. I would say, in general, I think it kind of boils down to your personnel. And I know, I mean, you kind of have to give. Well, go ahead, Ali. No, no, I'm very, I'm very animated. Nick, we're on camera, and I'm like, I'm like gonna like grab something angrily because we're gonna blame the personnel. No, now. I'm not, say- I'm not saying we're, we're moving the needle. I'm not having good players. What I'm saying is, you know, Kyrie is more of a funniest guy, so he's he's never been a guy that's got to the free throw line, so that shouldn't surprise you. Jalen Brown, it, we have, well, I guess the NBA in general has talked a lot about his shot selection, him taking pull ups. Gordon Hayward is a guy that can get to the line, but he's been passive for most of the season because he's still trying to work himself out. He's, he's been allergic yeah, to the paint. It's been amazing. <laughs> and Jalen Brown is really trying to find his way. He has waned between being too aggressive and forcing stuff and kind of just floating because he's still trying to find his way in the offense. And now Horford obviously isn't a guy that's going to put pressure on the defense and get to the line himself. So, yeah. Abysmal from three this year, by the way. He was like in the 20s last time I looked. Have they tried running more sets where they have somebody like Horford or uh, maybe Hayward initiating the set and they try to get, you know, Kyrie or Jalen Brown getting to the rim and then feeding them off the catch? Yes, but, I mean, you have Kyrie pulling up and Jalen Brown is either pulling up or he's forcing something. He should not be. He should be diving to the rim eight out of ten times. But like I feel like that's, like, systematic, though. I mean, I, I guess you would just have to make the argument that they're kind of being, I guess, not taught, but they're being pushed to take these mid-range shots and these long twos. I mean, Brad Stevens has been hammering it in post-game press conferences all year. Like, it's obvi- this obviously isn't what he wants. So I do understand that he deserves some blame just because he's at the head of it, but I'm just not sure how much you give him. Because at the end of the day, the players they're are getting- playing. You can't If you tell Kyrie gets to the rim, but he wants to – basically go Monte Ellis and go 360 layup instead of trying to absorb contact. Monte. That's not Brad Stevens' fault. I cannot believe Nikai's is on my podcast <laughs> defending Brad Stevens. I mean, I'm just saying, I just don't know. I mean, that's just part of not being able to evaluate coaching in general because you're just not close enough to it. Like, I just don't know how much we should be careful. I just think that there's a history with him and there's a history of just like not – being creative enough in sets to get space like and I understand that they generate a lot of open shots but there's a reason I always go back to Josh Smith there's a reason why Josh Smith was always open right like teams are letting these guys take these shots and if you're not and and if your guys aren't hitting shots then you gotta change it up you just can't like you can't like if teams aren't respecting a guy's shot and they're giving it to him every time. And if he's not making it as a coach, and as a, you have to come to a point that you're like, we need to we need to change something, right? Because like this isn't working. I mean, to your credit, they have. We need to give guys space. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, that, that was it. Like they like they're not playing. They're not playing in space. These guys are taking pull ups. Why? Because the paint's packed. As well, like when you watch them, Jalen Brown's turning the corner on the screen, and there's like there's a guy or two already in the paint waiting for them. So it's like, what what are we gonna do? And Gordon Hayward obviously not being healthy has not helped them because he's probably their best facilitator, arguably. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I would. 
I mean, he's up oh, yeah, there. He, though. I mean, he's a guy that. I think if he could get to the rim at least a little bit, he could probably be their best facilitator. As of now, I think it's probably still Orford. <laughs> what a time. I mean, really they might as well go back to running some of the stuff that they were last season during the playoffs where they had Horford at the top of the key and they were kind of running actions around that where, you know, Horford, he sticks as a, th- still he sticks do. As a threat the, at the three-point line and get everybody else moving around. I don't, like, you know, switch it up, man. I don't know. I think like, I think we should be careful on the way we judge Brad Stevens and, and pouncing on him. But like Nikias and Alex, and this is a criticism I had of Miami early on in the season. They'll the Celtics will run an action, and if the first play doesn't materialize, they kind of abandon it, and then they don't go to anything else after but that. That's and what it's I'm just saying. The, that's why we should like be Miami, careful because we're the same way. No, but I know, but my, I understand that. And by the way, Miami's since kind of fixed that. If you watch that game against Toronto last night, I was super impressed by lots of motion in the offense. James like they Johnson were, effect. A lot of like moving, a lot of ball hand, like it, the, the dribble handoff. You know, they'll do stuff and then they'll do a back screen, and then if nothing comes up, they'll they'll do something else. Like they have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Okay, so like that's that's how you got to play offense. You just can't have a plan A, and if it doesn't work, it's hey Kyrie do something. Okay, I agree in a vacuum. I will say on one hand, Miami has to do that because they just don't have the offensive talent that Boston has. And two, <laughs> Miami has to do dark <laughs> magic to get shots. At they really do. Like it takes Miami three or four dribble handoffs to get going. But go like, can we talk about how funny that is? It's just like just to get a it damn really layup. They got to like. They got to do so much damn nonsense. Dog can't get a do it by himself shot. anymore, man. It's really they sad. They can't. They don't have a guy to break down the defense and kick. They got to do like these like series of dribble handoffs and back screens. Dog is just like I'm not going in there. <laughs> oh have God. you seen my fi- my finishing rate this year? <laughs> oh man, Gordon. Gordon doesn't want to get hit in the damn teeth anymore, dude. He's too old for that. He needs screens, man. That's a lot. Of, we've had. You've seen Gordon kind of starting plays all ball and then catching catching and going instead of. You know, taking it from half court and then getting the screen or whatever. Like they're trying to take the Yo, pressure I'm off. Sorry, of I cut you off. I cut you off. <laughs> oh no, you're good. But I'm just saying, like, just watching Brad Stevens. Like Brad Stevens' offense have multiple options. They are they run a read based off offense. But the difference is you, they'll run a set, and if it's shut down, then you have Jason Tatum dribbling for six seconds and then going into a pull up, or you'll have Kyrie going into a dribble exhibition. Like it's it's not. I don't think it's they don't have other options. Is that their players are really good in ISO, and they aren't really wired to go to the rim. And I'm just not sure how much blame you place on Brad Stevens for that. They do need to get to the rim more. I I cannot believe we're blaming the roster how about after this? last year. It's like the Celtics have so much talent. The Celtics look at their future. Danny Ainge. Ooh, Dude, now we're blaming the damn roster. Like, are you serious? I mean, Brad should be taking the heat from us just because are you NBA Twitter declared him a god. But I'm saying, man, dude, guys are fired. I can't believe that a credible basketball person is sitting here, and now we're blaming the talent. No, but you know, like Jalen's not wired that way. While we're talking about wiring, I'm saying if Kyrie Irving's career high in like free throw attempts is like four and a half. Being complaining about him not getting to the free throw line like seven or eight years in just seems futile. Like keep moving the damn meat. Like let me. Like, oh my god. I mean, I'm sorry. Like if it was Russell Westbrook and then all of a sudden he started taking jumpers, then you look at Brad Stevens and say, "All right, why is and his career high is four point nine free throw attempt? Four point. Oh, okay, so basically Hassan this year. <laughs> like literally That's the sad. exact same number. So like, <laughs> and Hassan gets most of his fouls from offensive rebounds. So. 
Like, I, I just, I just don't know. Like, Brandt deserves some, but I just don't know. If we can say like. So can we okay? Then can we slander Danny Ainge? Or that's yes, not allowed. Yes. Also, thank you. I was about to say. I'll move the goalposts, dude. Because someone on the Celtics get is getting it. This, it. I don't that know was if it's about Ainge. to be my take. I don't know if it's Brad Stevens, but somebody's gonna get it. I was about to like, say. There is blame to be handed, and I'm ready to hand it. Who's Danny. on the bigger hot seat? Him, <laughs> him, or Daryl Morey right now? <laughs> Man, Daryl Morey ain't no on no hot seat. Yes, he is. I don't know what the hell's what happening. What the hell with is the he Rockets? doing with Michael Carter Williams on his team? <laughs> No, that's a good what point. Your voice. That's a really you good point. That, you did the anti-Christian. What's that was deserved. Don't get me started at Marquise Chris. Answer his question, man. Why is Michael Carter Williams on an NBA roster? Is Michael Carter Williams on the minutes? Rockets? No, he he doesn't. He looked at Michael Carter Williams like, yep, that's Maury Ball. I don't, I don't think he. They had to sign Daniel House because he sucks. Who is that? Exactly. Wow. They were making the argument on Count the Dings that um <laughs> that they should make a move for J.R. Smith. Houston? They should. Yeah. I, mean, I can see it. Why not? They should make a move for James Johnson, if you're being honest. They need that it factor. Mm-hmm. Defense, <laughs> Fire in the eyes, guys. <laughs> J.R.'s been there before. That's a, that's a champion. J.R. Smith's been there for champ. little things. Larry O'Brien experience in your locker room. Brought to you by J.R. Smith. Man, if J.R. Smith has the most playoff experience on your team, man, that's most finals J.R. experience if he goes to the Rockets, that's for sure. Yikes. He's, he's going to be out here teaching Chris Paul about finals leadership. <laughs> Chris Paul has never seen that word <laughs> ever. He, just, he doesn't recognize like, that word. J.R. would be a guy that I would like Miami to maybe go after like if he gets bought out, but Ooh, the nightlife here, no, it's bad. It's a bad idea. For his own benefit, he cannot be. It's here. a great idea. It's a great idea for a disaster. It helped tanking. They need wings. Denver, De- it would be, he wouldn't be bad on Denver but because they need another wing. But that Loki Philly should make a move for him. No, yeah, they, they, they also mentioned that on, uh, on Count the Dings. Check that out. I heard it today for the first time. Fun show. They kind of like us, but with like smart people. Wow. Who would have known? I mean, guys, you know, you're smart. You know, it's just, no, it's too late it's, now. It's you and us. You that's know, smart people, not smart person. Exactly. So can we talk about how the Heat rank in the bottom of the league in offensive efficiency, true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, and assist percentage? Can we talk about how the Celtics are one of the worst teams? Who do we blame, Nikaias? We're not allowed to blame coaches anymore, so who, who, who are we blaming? The Celtics have never finished higher than 13th in the half court. Ah, really? Yep. Okay. Face bread, Steve. No, but hold on. No, Brian, clearly it's a talent issue, you know. The Celtics this season have attempted 32.4% of their shots from mid-range, 13th most in the NBA. And 15, 58% of their shots <laughs> from mid-range outside of 14 feet, 7th most. Why are you talking tra- yeah. trash to Nikaias that way? It's like if Masai Ujiri would have started talking trash to Kawhi Leonard. You need to be careful, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. No, this is Draymond. This is Draymond telling uh, Durant to leave. <laughs> yes. Don't leave. You don't, don't want to slander coaches. <laughs> don't. Um, I, I, okay, my so take what, is Brad Stevens should be really mad at Danny Ainge. He should be really mad. And Danny Ainge should be I really mad Ainge, at Brad Stevens. <laughs> I want a civil damn war. They're just fuming at each other. <laughs> Come on, sending man. angry emails. Man. How is it possible yeah. that Boston has three picks this year? And the best pick is their own. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Light years ahead. I wish we could end the show on that. We have another 10 minutes. Light years ahead. Yo, okay. Danny Ainge nailed every single decision that he's made in the past few years. Every single one that we all questioned. The one that I think they're gonna is going to hurt them the most 
especially when it comes to conference finals time, is not having traded for Kawhi when they had the chance to get him for, what was it, Jaden Brown and Terry Rozier? Or, Bunch of losers. They probably could have thrown in Hayward and something else. The guy they who's not wired that. the way I'm Nick... I'm they're going to regret that. The guy who's not wired right, that everyone told me was really good. Wow. That guy. If that's that Kawhi, Kawhi right now, Toronto wouldn't be in there. We already know the Sixers don't have a shot. You know, Nikias, do you know who... I'm not even going to say. Okay, I do want to I do want to move on. I do want to talk a little bit about Dwight Howard. And I know we're running out of show and it's probably not a good idea to talk about it with Gotta so go. little time, but we're going to we're going to try anyway. <clears throat> so I know Brian doesn't know what happened with Dwight. No nope, filming. Uh, so for for those of you who don't know, there was a long thread on Twitter that Dwight uh what we believed at the time in the beginning in the infancy of the story, we believed Dwight was dating uh and sleeping with a transgender woman. We then learned that it was just a gay man. Um, who goes by pronouns he him and it, it kind of spiraled from there so apparently Dwight had like a pastor that was threatening this person and Dwight was going to transgender orgy sleeping with trans women and it, it became like a huge thing on NBA Twitter it was a Saturday night and I don't I'm not re- particularly interested in talking about the story that way what I am interested in talking about is the way people are talking about it. And I think it's interesting when a story like this falls on the doorstep of the NBA because nobody is really equipped to talk about it. So it comes in and nobody knows what pronouns to use. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows how to talk about Dwight's sexuality and the rest of Twitter is just making jokes. And it's such a 2018 story in that way. It's like make jokes first, ask questions later. And I think that there's like several factions of you have basketball Twitter that's like, hey, let, let's not do this. And I think the media has been very careful in not saying anything or saying very little because you don't want to get swallowed they by say saying a, the wrong a single thing. thing. They shouldn't because they really don't know. No, the other thing right? is like, like, has this even been confirmed? You get what I'm saying? Obviously, there's a it's a it's a it's a oh, personal yeah. account, but there there seems to be questions online about the validity of it because apparently this the the, the person who exposed uh Dwight Howard was caught in a similar type of situation uh with last Cardi. year with with Playboy Cardi a rapper and is it Cardi B or is, it, is, no, is there a Playboy, different Cardi? Is it Cardi? Cardi Are there B multiple Cardi women from the Bronx Playboy Cardi is not uh, <laughs> oh my god but people were saying Wait, so something about Cardi that. Cardi B so and I would Playboy just say Cardi are not the same person. So there's two Cardis. There's there's Cardi B and Playboy. There's Cardi yes. and there's Carti. Yes. Oh, okay. So there's a T. Okay, I got you. I'm I'm such a bad millennial. So no, yeah, I just think it's. I, I just thought. I mean, I'm not surprised that when this story drops, it's just a bunch of like transphobic and homophobic jokes. What? Th- I guess that shouldn't surprise me, but it's just like I. It's still it's really upsetting. It is upsetting. And then wh- what happens is that this person, allegedly, this guy in this thread, out not only outed Dwight, uh, and we can argue that Dwight was outed out of safety, but outed another trans woman that um, he alleged that Dwight was sleeping with. And it's just like, that's dangerous as well. So it's like, you have all these moving parts of, and then you have the the, the, the pastor who's threatening this guy who, who was... Uh, allegedly dating Dwight so now you have all these moving parts of Dwight not doing anything to stop the harassing the pastor like calling this person saying I know where you live you better move blah 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 then you have the outing of Dwight you have the outing of this trans woman that's with Dwight and it's like all these moving parts that no one's really equipped to talk about but it's like how could you not like it's go like how could you not ignore it 
So, like, Dwight's not at practice today, and, like, you know, you have Ken, Kenneth Buckner covering the Wizards, just like, well, Scott Brooks says he's just not playing, and it's like, well, like, what the, like what the, what the hell is going on? Like, how? I, I have no idea how. He was already out, though, wasn't he? I saw Thomas yeah, he Bryant was, he was already starting out, for another with day. With his glute injury, yeah. Which is, like, another thing. It's like everyone's making the glute jokes. Okay, but... but. Come on, we we, we all yeah. knew that was coming. They're easy. They're easy jokes. Okay, it's just it's it's <laughs> such low. It's such low hanging fruit, but it, it's yeah. like we're here in 2018, and we're still like so many people don't understand like these basic things of how to gender people about sexuality. All these I don't things think that it is people. And this, I know, I know it's I know it's complicated. It. I know it's not when you've never been exposed to it. It's not easy, but. This arrives at our doorstep in sports, and we know that no one is really equipped to talk about it. We were talking about that in our group chat. Like, eventually, if ESPN does reporting on this, and let's say this comes out and it's all true, ESPN cannot not talk about it. Who the hell is qualified to talk about that? And, like, I'm going to school. I'm going to school, and I specialize in trans studies. And I'm still, at times, unsure of how to talk about things and what to say. And I'm going to school for that. You know what I mean? Like I'm a I'm a cisgendered straight guy. So it's like it's it becomes increasingly difficult when you don't have these trans voices in the media to kind of like give a voice to this to understand what the hell is going on. And like these questions of sexuality, of ethics, of outing, of not outing, of what's so, like it becomes incredibly complicated especially for people that have never been exposed to this before. So I have a question. Why do we think that ESPN should first a be doing any type of reporting on this b be expected to talk about it even even if they decided to report it which i still don't understand why they would um i don't see i don't see the reason for that well there's there's a there's a harassment there's a harassment element to this okay that's one thing that the harassment that's the part that makes it newsworthy that an nba player is participating or tacitly approving of the harassment of someone of a partner like that's the part that's like sure. are we going to ignore that because at that point that what you know you cannot ignore violence to trans and gay 100%. people because that, that's fucked up like you can't do that 100% and especially right? so you cannot it, it's just such a weird story in the sense of how everything is uh, kind of uh, come together we're like why is this person like you said outing this transgender person that Dwight is supposedly uh, sleeping with or whatever dating whatever the case is uh, this, he could say of, out of it's out a lot of, of things that are kind of bothering me in a sense. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying? Like uh, it's a little bit murky. No, and 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 like like I said, sometimes the only defense that you have is doing that, right? So like if you're if you're this guy and if you're being harassed by this pastor and you're you're legitimately scared, I mean, what what other weapons do you have? You you are you are a disenfranchised person in society that you are like what are you what are you gonna do, and you don't have the amount of allies that an NBA star is gonna have. And then the entire culture of this toxic masculinity of this heteronormativity of not understanding, right? Like people do not understand the idea of Dwight sleeping with transgender women or Dwight, you know what I mean? Or like they don't even know how to define his sexuality. And then we have all the jokes. Yeah. Then they they have all these jokes. And then what do you, of course, Dwight's going to, you know, like there's a, there's a culture created that Dwight and this pastor, like Dwight has to protect Dwight. 
So what's Dwight's protection? To do this stuff and then to silence anything around it. So it's like, it's incredibly, it's incredibly complex and it's incredibly difficult. And also from a journalistic standpoint, like I said, if you're ESPN, you cannot talk about the harassment and abuse of a lot of cisgendered white women who, you know, when we talk about player violence to, to spouses and stuff, uh, but then you ignore violence or harassment to trans people, right? Just because it's hard to talk about, mm-hmm. right? So like, you know, these things have to matter equally. And if if this is indeed true, like Dwight has to answer some questions about why are you, why are you allowing this harassment to happen? You know what I mean? So I think you made a good point about non-cisgender voices and, and the lack thereof in sports media. Uh, that's kind of something that's been glossed over. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard that being discussed. We've never uh, talked about it because it's never not been even us, need. just in general. I don't think I've ever heard that as any type of topic. As I mean, I'm not sure, but I think that's a good point. So, how's this affecting Heat's chances of tanking? Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for, you know, uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is is fully supportive and allowing us to to do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in, in this region, in the gateway to America, and, and, and for Miami to become a destination spot for, for all Latin players, uh, because, you know, this is such an international city. Hey, it's Josh Appel. And Mr. Bill Eleven. Now, we are from Smarker Territory, the Five Reasons Sports Network's resident wrestling podcast coming at you live on tape every Wednesday from the Fortress of Smark. Join us on the fringes of the smattering for some not-so-serious pro wrestling talk. It's Smarker Territory every Wednesday on the Five Reasons Sports Network.